on Truth Encounter, we want to encourage you to take a careful look at some wisdom that has been around for centuries. We are not the only culture that has debated about moral standards, and the Old Testament book of Proverbs confronts us with some strong, level-headed discussions on the issue. Our study leader, Dave Wurtson, begins our discussion today talking about one of these televised town meetings we love to have these days. He shares how one congressman talking about abstinence can stir up a hornet's nest. Dave? All you need to do in Congress is mention abstinence as one basic fundamental way to not get AIDS and everyone laughs. I want you to listen for that in our society. In fact, somebody, one of the men shared with me this past week a great cartoon. It, it's got an old grandfather rocking in his rocking chair on a, on a front porch. And this young guy comes out, and just so you'll understand the point, he, he has real long hair. Not that that necessarily would be a symbol of this, but the guy's got real long hair, and he, he's really bopping around, you know. And, and he comes to his grandfather and says, hey, you know, granddad, what did you do in your day against all these sexual diseases? What did you do in your day to be able to be free from contamination. You know, was it this technique or was it that technique? What did you do? And the old grandfather says, we used to try a wedding band. You know, that's an incredible long way that we've come. And all that I want to share with you is wisdom is crying out to us. We've talked a lot in this book about purity. And wisdom is crying out in young people and moms and dads. Wisdom is still saying, live according to her standards. Live for what is right. Allow the Holy Spirit to control you. So you can have power over all these passions within. And it will protect you. The scoffer thinks it's all just a bunch of bunk. And he'll talk like that. And she'll talk with like that. And wisdom can't reach her. But there's a wise person that you can reach. In fact, one of the characteristics of a wise person begins that they have big ears. It says if you rebuke a wise man, if you, if you instruct this wise person and correct them, they'll love you. Verse 9, if you instruct a wise man, he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 5 started out with exactly that statement. The wise man will hear and he will increase his learning. And I trust that every single one of you have a hard attitude that you're trying to add to your learning. You're trying to get more out of the Word of God. You're trying to listen more to the voice of God. That's a characteristic of wisdom. You're constantly hungry to hear more of the Word of God. If your mom and dad rebukes you and says it was wrong what you did, and here's why it was wrong, and here's how to correct it, and here's how to walk more under the control of the Holy Spirit. You don't go like this inside. You're tempted to do that, but you catch yourself and you relax. And you realize, hey, maybe they do have something to teach me. Maybe they do have something to help me with. That's the characteristic of wisdom. And as moms and dads, we should have the same open-heart attitude. In fact, sometimes our own kids can teach us a great deal of skillful living as they open their hearts to the Lord. The wise man has open ears that receive instruction. Then verse 10 nails down the basic point, the basic fundamental teaching that skillful living is trying to teach us. The reverence of the Lord is the beginning of a skillful life. 
and an intimate relationship with the Holy One is understanding that we might love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. A skillful life does not flow just out of accurate teaching. It flows out of an intimate relationship with the Holy One. You're intimately in love with the ultimate Lord God of all the universe. The knowledge and intimate relationship with the Holy One is the beginning of a skillful life. Now, what will this Holy One do for you? Through me, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. I want all of you to realize this. You're all responsible. Every one of you are responsible for the life that you're living right now. And wisdom is saying this. If you live wisely, you yourself will enjoy the benefits of a long life. If you get control of your passions and you allow God's Holy Spirit to help you not to eat too much and not to smoke like a smokestack and not to drink like a fish, just to use some of the external things. If you allow the Holy Spirit to really work and give freedom in your temple, your physical body, Insurance will tell you you'll get a better rate. You know why? You'll live longer. One of the news commentators was mentioning it was really a very skillful commentary. He was coming up with a study that he wants none of the smokers to stop smoking. Now, I'm speaking to you in love because I want you to live longer. And I want you to know as a pastor teacher that I don't use, I don't condemn you. I want to help you. But I need to tell you the truth. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you eat too much, if you smoke, if you drink too much and it's out of control, you're killing yourself. And the Holy Spirit of God doesn't want His children enslaved like that. You can overcome it. With the help of God's people and with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can stop. And we've got to just face ourselves because this commentator was saying he doesn't want any of the smokers to stop because they'll live 15 years longer and he was afraid that we can't handle their social security. You know, and it was just kind of a tongue-in-cheek statement of the reality that we all do foolish things that hurt us. And that's what wisdom is saying here. Wisdom is saying that all the things, all the things that we do, that hurt our bodies because of this gnawing passion, this gnawing emptiness that we're trying to fulfill, we're trying to keep ourselves going. Drinking 30 cups of coffee a day isn't the power of the Holy Spirit. Just so the smokers in the audience won't feel I'm just picking on you. That can be one that's hard for me. When I get writing, when I'm trying to crank something out, I can drink a whole pot down, and man, my head can be just being peeled right off the ceiling. I've got my metabolism just going, ka-thump, 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 ka-thump. That's not good for you, man. It's wrong. It's not the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of caffeine, of all these powers, all these teens that we want to control us. What wisdom is saying is if we allow her to dwell within our lives, to help us to find peace in her teaching,
We won't be controlled by these artificial passions by which we try to make it through a day. And therefore, we'll live longer. We'll live longer because the Lord built us for that. And I think it's really, there's some exciting things about our culture right now, at least in the physical area. I think that our culture is saying much more today that you need to take care of your physical temple, of your physical body. But I think we need to take it deeper than that. Wisdom is saying that all the passions, the pride, the anger, jealousy, envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bone, but wisdom is pleasure to the soul. If we're corroded by envy, it's going to destroy our personality. It's going to cut down the length of time that we live. And what wisdom is telling every one of us, it's very, very important, is you can make choices. You can make choices that you're responsible for, and it can cut your life short. And I think every one of us knows that that's true. You see, we all want to say, it's not my fault. I couldn't help it. It's not my responsibility. I was a victim. And wisdom is saying, if you're wise, you'll enjoy the benefit. If you're foolish, you're responsible. And all alone, you'll pay the penalty. It's not saying that your foolishness won't hurt other people. It will. But now it's focusing on this awesome individual responsibility. You alone will have to pay the piper. So two responses. You can respond to God's word and you can mock. Or you can respond to God's word and you can humble yourself and you can listen to what she has to say. Now he presents lady foolishness. Verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She's undisciplined or she's seductive. I think would be a better word there. She's seductive and she's without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Let all who are naive come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are the depths of the grave. This is the symbolism she's talking about. There's a road that we're all walking down. We're all walking down Main Street life. On one side of the house, there's a beautiful home. On the right side, there's a beautiful home and has a seven-columned porch in front. And this beautiful woman is saying, come in and eat at my table. Young people, moms and dads, children, she is a teacher. She wants not just your body. She wants your mind and your emotions and your will. She wants to be a loving teacher that will teach you how to live. If you walk into her house... She'll lead you into marital fidelity because you'll have a core personality if you're a man that's attracted to a woman who will be faithful, who will be steadfast, who will keep promises, who will control her passions. You'll walk into a house where you'll ultimately find Jesus Christ because in him is found the embodiment of wisdom. When you walk inside of her house and you sit down at her table and you start to eat her food, the pleasure isn't quite as high at first. But it slowly builds. It's kind of like a deep-seated burning that gets stronger and stronger, and it doesn't ebb with time. That's the house of wisdom. Lady Folly's on the other side of the street, and she's talking to every one of you today. 
and she's going to talk to you this week, and she's going to talk to me this week. She is the knockout on the outside. She's loud. She is strong. She makes direct appeal. She says, listen, come on into me. Have intercourse with me. She's that boisterous. She's that loud. She'll sit across from you at the table, and she will seduce you. She's alluring. She's loud, and she's very seductive. The word in the Hebrew is the same word for the naive fool, a different form of it. It's emphasizing she can really get in to an open-minded person. And thirdly, she doesn't know anything. Now, that doesn't mean that she's ignorant. It means that she doesn't know the life of wisdom. She doesn't know the kinds of things that I've instructed you on. She's never really learned the Word of God. Or if she has, she's chosen to walk out on it. And she's appealing to you. Just to put it right down where you are, because the specific temptation she's talking about is stolen water is sweet. In Proverbs chapter 5, we were instructed, drink waters from your own cistern, running waters from your own well. And waters in the book of Proverbs is a symbol for your sexuality. And the immoral woman and the immoral man, because the immoral woman just represents all immorality, is going to come to you and say, do it in my house, do it in my place, because stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is so pleasant, it's so satisfying. One of the biggest thrills of all kinds of immorality is it's secret. And I want all of you to listen carefully to me. If you ever have an affair, you're going to try to do it secretly. And that's what's going to make it so sweet. You're going to go on a trip. You're going to go to a different part of the country. You're going to meet somebody clandestinely. It's all going to be like a spy intrigue thing. And if you get in bed with that individual, the scripture will tell you, you will drink deeply and it will be sweet. Because some of you tell me, man, you told me it was bad. You told me it was horrible. You told me it would destroy my life. I've never felt better. I've never been more happy. Man, I lived in that bum marriage for 20 years and it was awful. And then now I've got somebody and my life is like heaven. That's what immorality is like. Stolen water is unbelievably sweet. It's really sweet. You guys get that pornographic magazine? Very few of you walk into church with that underneath your arm with your Bible and say, I have this life, the playboy life, and I have the Bible life. Very few of you do that. Those of you that are looking at that kind of material, you do it secretly all by yourself. You put them in, I, you put them in trash cans. You hide them in the backyard. I've dealt with people, they bury them in the backyard and sneak out there in the middle of the night. And you laugh. But it's incredibly serious. Because that's the way this passion works within us. And this sexual passion for immorality is like all the other passions, whether it be drunkenness or a passion for jealousy, a passion for gossip, a passion for anything that's out of control. It always works this way. Some of you that get a box of chocolates, you're all by yourself, and you gobble the whole thing down. And boy, is it fantastic. Boy, you talk about sweetness. And that's what Proverbs is telling you. And you see, if you can get that out before you and realize what's going on, realize that the Scripture's telling you she's going to be loud. She'll be yelling in your ears. 
She is seductive. She's going to be just tempting you and pulling you in. But she's ignorant. She doesn't really know the life of wisdom. You know, the incredible thing about this is that it's not a secret at all. The incredible thing about all these areas, all these areas of foolishness, is that the person thinks it's all a secret, but it's not a secret to God because the book of Proverbs says that everything we do, we do before the searchlight of God's wisdom. And second of all, the Scriptures teach us that people tend to know as well. And what happens? It turns to death inside of us. We start dying. And we could have testimony meeting right now and some of you could stand up and say, hey, that's the way my life used to be. I was controlled by those passions. I lived for that. And it destroyed my life. But you could go on to say, I turned from foolishness. I turned from listening to the seductive, passionate voice of foolishness and I came to the voice of wisdom. And Jesus Christ cleansed me, and he forgave me, and he made me whole. I want from the smallest child to the oldest adult to realize that I'm not just talking about Sunday morning church. And I close with this. You know, we have a big push on just say no. Wisdom is all about just saying no. But I want to share with you kids something that they can't tell you in the public school system because we can't really tell you the whole truth many times in our public school system as much as some of our believing teachers would like to tell you. I want to tell you something. You know what your school's really like? Some of your teachers have been immoral. When you get in high school, some of you know that. When my dad was an unbeliever in high school, the guys on the track team made out with some of the teachers in the school. So don't think it's just something that you all invented. They were doing back that in the 30s. And they were doing it 2,000 years ago in Egypt. And they were doing it 3,000 years ago in Babylon. And on and on it goes. You know the reality of your school? Your teachers sometimes will tell you just to say, no, they're immoral. They drink too much. Some of them have a terrible smoking habit they can't control. And some of you kids say, man, all this baloney about just say no and live a straight life. And you start to get cynical. You start to get negative. Now, I want to share with you, don't do that. Because the standards that some of your teachers are trying to teach you are wise standards. They're good standards. But I want to go on and tell you something. I can't say no. I cannot say no. You understand what I'm saying? See, some of you sit there and say, Oh, I can say no. I can live a straight life. Sure, maybe you can say no to this. You can say no to that. You can say no to that. And then you're proud as a peacock about how good you are. And then you're fit for the pit of hell because you're so full of pride. You're so self-righteous, and you can't say no to your pride. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every one of us biblically need to come to the place in our life where we humble ourselves, where we admit, I don't have a handle on my passions. I don't have a handle on temptation. I am not strong. That's what the Holy Scriptures is saying. 
And at that zero point, that's why sinners are much closer to the kingdom than the righteous people. Because the sinners, are, they realize, man, I can't say no. I hardly ever do say no. They realize they need help and they break. And they come to God just as they are and say, God, I can't control the passions within. And that's what they really can't tell you in public school is nobody can control the passions within. That's why you'll have a politician that will tell you all about his marvelous family and all about the good life and make you feel he's so moral. And then you'll find out that he's undercover with one girl after another. And all of you kids, because, oh, man, it, that just shows you. Well, the Holy Scriptures recognizes all of that. Unless we break, unless we come to the end of ourselves and we all admit without him, we can't say no to the old nature. We won't be dealing in truth. But the book of Proverbs is saying that you can say no through the power of Christ. And I praise God that that message has been communicated in off times, in other assemblies, even in our public school. I praise God for a town where we're able to publicly voice it. And I praise God for many of you. And you say we can't say no through our own strength, but through the power of the living Christ by realizing that he died in the cross for our sins, not just as a good story, but as the whole truth, and believing that he rose again from the dead, Christ comes to live inside of our life, and through his power living out through mine, and through yours, we can say no to foolishness, to what will destroy us, and we can say yes to health, to purity, to family living, to real, healthy, long-lasting life. In fact, Jesus said, I'll give you a life that lasts forever. Oh, I pray with all my heart. You know, the thing that just sends shivers up and down my spine is that it's so easy that we talk about the truth, but it doesn't get through. That's the thing that can be so discouraging. We can be so full of the con. We can be so filled with the lie. We can be so filled with scoffing that it doesn't get through. But I praise God that wisdom promises that her voice will be heard in the individual hearts that are open to her, that are ultimately open to him, the Lord Jesus. And I believe Jesus is going to call you. He's going to work in your life. And I trust that every one of you will ask yourself, which house am I walking into? the house of wisdom or the house of foolishness. Because when you walk into the house of foolishness, you're walking into a morgue. The Rephaim are there, the spirits of the dead. And she's taken down from presidents all the way down to the lowliest person. Don't walk into that house. By the power of Christ, go all the way with him. Build your life upon the rock. The wise man builds his house on the rock. Father, we pray that you would help us as we close our study of the book of Proverbs and we think about these two homes. We ask you, Father, that you would help us to really listen to the invitation that wisdom has given to us. We'd ask you, Father, that we would be honest about what's really going on in our own lives. And we pray that 
you would help us to make an intimate relationship with you as the Holy One, the heartbeat of our life. I'd ask you, Lord, that every one of us would be crystal clear on the fundamental truth that we can't say no to passion. We can't say no to the seduction of foolishness, this voice that's deep inside every one of us through our own efforts, through our own morality, through self-discipline. Father, I pray that we would realize that the only way we can do it is by a total dependence upon the life of Christ living out through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Dave just prayed, this does bring to a close our study of the book of Proverbs and the subject, How to Raise Street Smart Godly Kids. None of our children or grandchildren should have to go out into the world naive and vulnerable to the seduction of evil. Proverbs has the preparation they need to live a wise life without having to have them scarred in the school of experience. One of our engineers recently commented, Dave has the courage to talk about some things that many shrink away from discussing. While God does get very candid about the facts of life in Proverbs, and Dave has simply followed along and attempted to translate the ancient wisdom in today's vernacular. Let me invite you to download this series or order an MP3 CD from our website at www.truthencounter. Please don't neglect listening to the entire series on your smartphone by visiting truthencounter.com or downloading free at your iTunes store. That's Street Smart Godly Kids.